0: Let's turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And this morning, we're covering the last of our five-week series on faith-building practices. And the practice we're going to talk about this morning is evangelism. Evangelism. And I would guess that some of you, when you hear the word evangelism, what gets stirred up in your heart is feelings of Um, guilt, possibly, discouragement, failure. And the reason those feelings get stirred up is because since you've been born again by the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ, you know deep down inside that you're called to share the gospel with people. We all know that, all of us who are followers of Jesus. But you can look at your life and see it's just not really happening. It's not like I was hoping it would. The evangelism isn't taking place. And, And so because of that, you can... Feel like you're a failure. You can be discouraged. And if that's what's in your heart right now as you think about this topic of evangelism, what Jesus is going to say in these verses is going to bring you great news, much encouragement. I pray it's going to fill you with hope about this topic, this area, evangelism. Look at what he says. Now, let me give you the context of these verses. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, John the Baptist comes on the scene, prophesied in the Old Testament, and he comes baptizing, preaching repentance, and crowds of people from all of Judea are coming to him being baptized, and he's there to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare for Jesus to come. Then in verses 9 through 11, Jesus is baptized. Remember, God the Father speaks out of heaven, this is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased. In the clouds part, the sky opens, and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove poured out upon Jesus. Verses 9-11. through 11. Verses 12-13, through 13, the Holy Spirit immediately sends Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And Jesus overcomes every temptation. Which then opens the door. He's the first human being ever. He's, he's man and God. God-man, but he's the first human being to ever successfully resist all of Satan's temptations. He's sinless. And so he preaches the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God to forgive our sins, the power of the kingdom to change our hearts, the power of God's kingdom to fill us and satisfy us with God's presence. The kingdom of God is here, repent and believe. And that brings us to verses 16 through 18, where Jesus calls Simon and Andrew to be his disciples. Let's read those verses. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew the brother of Simon, this is Simon Peter, right? Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now focus again on exactly what Jesus says in verse 17. This is going to be our focal point this morning. Here's Jesus' call. He says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, one question we need to address is, was this just Jesus' call to Simon and Andrew, or is this how Jesus called all of his disciples? And the answer is that this is how Jesus called all of his disciples. You might think, no, this is just how he called apostles. Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they become apostles, but this is not when Jesus calls them to be apostles. That happens two chapters later in Mark chapter 3. This is when he's calling them to be disciples. This is how Jesus called all of his disciples when he was here on earth. So this is not a call to apostleship, which is just reserved for a few believers. This is the call for discipleship, which is to all of us. So Jesus' words to Simon and Andrew are also Jesus' words to us today. He says... To all of us, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Okay, what's a fisher of men? Sounds kind of strange. They were fishermen. He used this metaphor to connect with them. But a fisher of men is simply somebody who has been saved through trusting Jesus Christ and wants to spread the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible, to help people be forgiven for their sins. So they're no longer facing judgment from God. Tell help people be forgiven for their sins, to be reconciled to God through faith in Christ, to have their hearts filled with the joy, the love of knowing God. That's what a fisher of men is. And so Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. But notice that that call contains both a command and a promise. Did you catch that? The command is, follow me. And the promise is, I will make you become fishers of men. Now, don't don't misunderstand the word make you. It's not like he's going to hold a gun to your head and say, I'm making you be a fisher of men. That's not how he makes us. He doesn't do it by coercion or by compulsion. He transforms us. He changes us. He gifts us. He equips us. He makes us brand new creations in Christ. So when he makes us become fishers of men, it's by his merciful, gracious, loving, transforming power. So we really are fishers of men. So what we do, according to this verse, is we follow Jesus. That's our part. And what he promises to do is that as we follow Jesus, he will make us become fishers of men. Now for years I missed that. And maybe you've missed that too as you've read. Because too often, what I did is I'd read this verse and think Jesus is commanding me to do two things. Follow him and become a fisher of men. So I'd follow him and I'd try to be a fisher of men, but that's not what Jesus says. This is a massive difference. He's commanding one thing, follow me, and then he's promising, if you'll follow me, he's going to make us become fishers of men. Do you feel the huge difference there? Let me give you some examples. Let's say, okay, this is, say, middle of the summer here in Abu Dhabi and your air conditioner and your car is broken. Think of what good news it would be if a mechanic said come to my shop I'll fix your air conditioner for you, right? You come to my shop. It's what you do I promise I'll fix your air conditioner But think of how bad it would bad news it would be if you misunderstood him and thought he said bring your car to my shop And then you can fix your air conditioner See the difference or let's say you've got a broken arm What good news it would be if a doctor said "Uh, come to my emergency room. I'll fix your arm for you. Oh good That's good news Think of what bad news it would be if we misunderstood. Come to my emergency room and you fix your broken arm. That'd be a problem. So let's not miss the powerful promise that Jesus is giving us in this passage. He says, follow me. That's your part. You follow me. And then I'm going to do something. I will make you become fishers of men. Now, to help us understand what that means, I want to spell out three implications of that that verse, of that promise especially. There's three implications. I I hope you'll see them. I want to try to explain them so you'll see. That's right. That is exactly what Jesus is implying by what he's saying. Three implications. The first is this. Jesus is saying that everyone who follows him will become a fisher of men. Let's read the verse again, see if you can see that. He says... Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So, if Jesus takes everyone who follows him, all the people who follow him, if he takes all those people and makes them become fishers of men, then how many of them will be fishers of men? Not a trick question, okay? All of them will be. If he takes all those who are following him and makes all of them fishers of men, how many of them will be fishers of men? All of them. You see that? It's a clear implication here. They all will, which means... Every follower of Jesus is called to evangelism. And you knew that, but I want you to see that from this verse. Now, one question you may have at this point, which is a really good question, is what about those who have the gift of evangelism? Not everyone has the gift. Some do, many do not. Does that mean that those who have the gift, they're called to evangelism, and the rest of us are not? It does not mean that. And the reason is because of what Paul says about the gift of evangelism in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Look at what Paul writes. And he, God, gave the apostles. Those are the original 12 apostles. Wrote the scriptures, wrote the New Testament. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. There they are. And he gave the shepherds and teachers So there's evangelists, but now what do evangelists do? What is one of their, what's their purpose? Verse 12, here's their purpose, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So evangelists are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Here's the question, what ministry do evangelists equip us to do, do you think? Evangelism. Let's try that again. What ministry do evangelists equip believers to do? Evangelism. So if evangelists are raised up by God, powerfully gifted in evangelism, and part of their call is to equip the body in ministry of evangelism, how many in the body are called to be involved in evangelism? All of us are. Do you see that? Let me give you one other scripture to back this up. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. I want to drive this point home Because I would guess that some of you here, maybe you've misunderstood the scriptures or you've just, maybe you've been taught wrongly. I don't know, but you you may be thinking that we're not all called to the work of evangelism. And I, I hope that these passages will change your mind. We are all called to evangelism. Look at Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Commands that Paul gives to every believer. He says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Who are outsiders? He's just simply talking about people who have not yet come into the joy of being forgiven for all their sins through trusting Jesus' death on the cross. People who have not experienced having their hearts supernaturally changed, who haven't experienced God's love being poured into their hearts, they're fully satisfied. That's who he's talking about. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech with outsiders... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we are all called to live with wisdom toward those who don't yet know the joys of following Jesus, being forgiven by Jesus. We're to walk with wisdom toward them, which means we speak graciously, we share the gospel with tasty, salty words. Mm, mm, Mmm, mmm, I want to hear some more of that. That's really good, right? Tasty, salty words. Now notice, this is a command to all of us, which means we are all called to speak gracious, salty, tasty gospel words to people who don't yet know Christ. So please don't think, well, I'm not really very good at talking, so I'm just going to live a good life before other people. Paul says, it's good to live a good life before other people. But unless you can explain that good life with words, unless you share your testimony of how Jesus, through his death and resurrection, saved you, no one's going to be forgiven for their sins and brought into the joy of knowing Christ. So we are all called to speak salty, tasty, gracious gospel words. That's Paul's command to all of us. Okay, so one implication of Mark chapter 117 is that no follower of Jesus I'm sorry, that's the next implication. Everyone who follows Jesus will become a fisher of men. Do you see that in the passage? If he says, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. If he takes all the followers and promises, I will make all of them fishers of men, then all of Jesus' followers will become fishers of men, including you and me. Second implication, see if you see this in the verse. It's that no follower of Jesus is naturally a fisher of men. Let's read that verse again, see if you see what I see there. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become a fisher of men. If Jesus has to make every follower into a fisher of men, that shows that no follower of Jesus is naturally already a fisher of men. You see that? If they were, he wouldn't need to make anybody a fisher of men. The reason he needs to make all of us into fishers of men is that we're not already fishers of men. We're not and I find that very encouraging And you might find that encouraging too Because I don't think naturally I know naturally. I am not a fisher of men naturally. I mean I I'm an introvert Any introverts out there? You you don't raise your hand. I know because you're an introvert. Okay We know we'll talk afterwards. Okay introverts love people but I'd rather just be reading a book by myself or maybe hiking with a few people I know really well, you know, the the whole social schmooze mix thing. I I don't get very comfortable in those kinds of settings. Some of you feel that way as well. And it's easy for me to think, you know, I'm not naturally a fisher of men, so I guess I'm just not called to be that, right? But this is good news for me because what this means is that none of us are naturally fishers of men. See, you may have thought, just like me, you know, you're too quiet. Maybe you've thought you're too timid or you're too shy to be a fisher of men, and you're not. Because it's not about who you are. It's about what Jesus will make you into, what Jesus will do. He promises, you follow me, I will make you into a fisher of men. Think about Peter. Peter, remember when he was, after Jesus had been arrested, he was there in the courtyard with the slave girl in the fire, and aren't you one of Jesus' followers? What does Peter do? Not me. I don't know him. Are you kidding? He denied Christ three times. That's who Peter is naturally. But just a little while later, Peter, after Jesus' death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter's in Jerusalem with thousands of people before him, and he's preaching Jesus boldly, fearlessly. And 3,000 came to faith in Christ that day. I will make you become fishers of men. So don't think that because you're not naturally a fisher of men that you're not called to evangelism. That is not what Jesus says. Do you see that here? It's not what he says. He says that no follower of Jesus is naturally a fisher of men. Every one of us must be made into a fisher of men by Jesus. Okay, so we've seen two implications. One is every follower of Jesus will become a fisher of men. That's the first one. Second one is no, no follower of Jesus is naturally a fisher of men. you think, well, then how are they going to become fishers of men? Third implication. Jesus promises that he will make us into fishers of men. Okay, read Mark 1, verse 17 again. Are you you getting the point here? Let's read it again. And Jesus said to them, follow me. That's the command to us. That's what we do. And then here's what he does. And I will make you become fishers of men. Now, you might think, that's just not going to happen, Pastor Steve. I mean, you don't know how weak I am spiritually spiritually. You don't know how little I know about the Bible. I can't answer people's questions. You don't know how tongue-tied I get, how fearful I am. That's just not going to happen with me. But let me remind you who is saying these words. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whose authority and power brought a storm to an absolute calm over the Sea of Galilee, right? Be still. And it was still, just like that. Whose words and authority and power healed blind Bartimaeus' eyes, just like that, from blind to seeing. That's power. That's authority. Whose power And authority raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been a corpse in a tomb for days. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And his body became alive again, miraculously, by Jesus' authority and power. And so we're talking about Jesus Christ here, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And so it doesn't make any difference how timid you might be or how little you might know or how many questions you can't answer. It has nothing to do with our capabilities. It's not about what we bring to the table. He says, you follow me, I will make you become a fisher of men. It doesn't make any difference how weak, how little knowledge. None of those things stop Jesus. He has all authority and power. Now, how does Jesus do this? There's lots of ways. Let me mention three, and I'll give you a passage to back up each one. How does Jesus make us become fishers of men? One way is by giving us love for people who are not yet saved. This is so encouraging. I would guess some of us, our love and our compassion for lost people has been squelched, squashed down because we fear rejection or because we fear persecution possibly. And our love for our lost neighbors, we think, I mean, think about it. They are facing an eternity of punishment under God because of their sins, just like we were facing. Somebody shared the gospel with you. They have not heard the gospel yet. The vast majority of people you see in this country have not heard the gospel yet. You might be the very first one to share the gospel with them. And yet we often have so little love and compassion when we think they are going to face judgment forever and ever. By Jesus' grace, I've got the good news to share with them. So we should be overflowing with compassion. I think about Jesus in Luke 19. He wept over Jerusalem. Friends, we should weep over Abu Dhabi, over our neighborhoods. But look at what happens, according to what Paul prays, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. God gives us love for people. Paul says, now may... Our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and for all as we do for you. What this shows is that God will make us increase and abound in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ And for all people. Which means that before he does this, we have low love for all people. Then he increases it, and now we have more love for people. This is what God does. He takes us when we're like this. He goes, I can take care of that. And our love for other people grows, right? That's what Paul's talking about here. This is what God will do. Jesus says, follow me, and I will cause you to increase and abound in love for all people. Trust me. I will do that. Wouldn't you love to have your love for other people increase and abound? Jesus will do that. He promises. Another way he does this is by giving us words to say. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19. He says, and pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, to pro- uh, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So here Paul asks other believers, would you pray for me that God would give me words, the right words to share the gospel with? Would you pray for me? Now think about Paul preaching on Mars Hill, preaching in the synagogues, wowing the scribes and Pharisees with his eloquent, passionate defense of Jesus' Messiahship as foretold in the Old Testament. Paul needs God to give him words? Yes, yes. That's why he was so effective in the synagogue and on Mars Hill, because God was giving him words. So God will give us words as well. He will give us words to say. Now, studying the Scriptures is important, right? Filling your mind and heart with God's Word. Grow in that. But don't ever stop thinking, I'm not going to know what to say. He saved you. You know your testimony. You can say, once I was blind, now I see. You can say that. So he will give you the words to say. So Jesus promises, follow me, and I will give you the words you need to share. I mean, isn't that exciting? That's what Jesus will do as we're following him. Another passage. Jesus will give us opportunities to share the gospel. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ. God will give you opportunities. Remember, on a Tuesday night at our home group, we broke into smaller groups one night to pray that God would give us opportunities to share our testimonies. we had been working on our testimonies together. So we broke into small groups and said, God, in these next few days, give, give us opportunities to share our testimonies. Come and do this. Open up the door for us to share testimonies. Well, the next day, on our Tuesday Tribe WhatsApp list, we get a message from one of our home group members. He says, the most amazing thing just happened. I was in a taxi and God opened a door for me to share my testimony with the taxi driver. And not only that, we ended up talking for an hour about Jesus. God opened up a door. He did it for him. He will do it for you. So here's three ways that God Makes us become fishers of men. He gives us more love. He gives us the words, and he opens up opportunities. Now, let me share it with you one way that God has helped me grow to become more of a fisher of men. I, I told you I was an introvert, and years ago, when we were still in the states, uh, it, the Lord convicted me that I had not shared the gospel to my shame with any of our neighbors that we lived around. Just really convicted me. Like, what are you thinking? What and again, I'm, I, I don't want to have awkward relationships. I, I fear rejection, all that kind of stuff. You know, same th- things we all deal with. So I started praying that God would give me more love for them. That he'd overcome my fear, that he'd give me opportunities. He'd open doors, give me words to say. And one day as I was praying, the idea came into my mind, and Jan and I were talking, had been talking about what can we do. The idea came of having a barbecue for our whole neighborhood. And we lived on a street, the dead-end street, cul-de-sac. Are you familiar with those words in your countries? You know, so not a lot of through traffic. So instead of having it in our backyard, let's just have it out in the middle of the street. No cars come through, and get, all the neighbors would come. It'd be really easy. And so we, we did that. We put a barbecue on. In fact, here's a picture. Look at that. So you can see Jan right there, right in the middle, right? Isn't that great? So there we are. Um, all of our neighbors came. I think they all came, most all of them. And uh, we had a barbecue together, lots of conversations, lots of relationships being built. And out of that, God gave me the opportunity to go on walks with two of those men separately. There's a creek a couple blocks from where, from here. And, and then at those times, God gave me words to share. God gave me opportunity to share more of the Lord. And it was powerful. But see, through that, God was, he was convicting me. He was growing me. He was giving me love. He opened up opportunity, changed my life. Also, then flowing out of that, then he, he really gripped me and thought, this might sound crazy. Not everybody's... See, God will call you to do things he doesn't call other people to do. So he called me to go through my neighborhood, I mean, like the big neighborhood, and knock on every door and ask, are you interested in talking about spiritual things? I love Jesus. He's changed my life. I love talking about it. Would you be interested? And so, I know, that sounds crazy. I did that, did that, did that. And, and I came to this one door, and a Chinese woman opens the door, and I said... This might sound crazy, but Jesus Christ has changed my life, and I love to talk to people about him. Um, would you be interested? And she goes, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. So she was an atheist, had been in, this, in the U.S. for maybe 10 years. Her husband was an engineer. She was an engineer. And we started studying the scriptures together. I think it was every Tuesday night, studied through John, studied, just studying the scriptures. She's still, she's still, we're still praying for her. She hasn't come to, come to faith in Jesus yet. But see, God will grow you that's for an introvert knocking on all these doors go figure right look if that can happen to me that can happen to you okay no you don't have to go knocking on. in fact don't knock on doors in this country okay that's <laughs> let's be clear okay that's 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 against the law here right okay but we can we can share with individual people in a relational way our own testimonies and ask God to open up doors along those lines he will do it Okay, so we've, in fact, let me, uh, there's a neighbor, one of my neighbors, um, we went out to coffee at Dalma Mall, and he was sharing with me his faith, he's a different religion, local guy here, and then that opened a door for me to share my convictions. We had a wonderful time sharing together, and I was able to share the gospel, and we are friends. See, so, so God opens up doors like that. He will do that for you. You ask him, he will do it. Now that might scare you thinking, well, if I ask him, he might do it. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good thing. And, and why is that such a good thing? It's because one of the greatest joys as a Christian is to share the good news of Jesus with somebody else. And one of the reasons I say that is because of what Jesus said in John chapter 4. Remember the passage? Uh, they'd been walking all morning, him and the disciples. They were hungry. Disciples went into town to get some lunch. Jesus is there at the well, and he's talking to a Samaritan woman, and he's telling her about the gospel. She can be completely forgiven. She can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who will fill her heart completely. He's sharing the good news of who he is, what he will do on the cross with her. The disciples come back, and they can tell by looking at Jesus, he's not hungry anymore, right? Because he's just beaming. He's just, you know, he's just smiling. He's full of love. Where'd you get food, they say. Remember Jesus' answer? I have food to eat that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. When you share with somebody the good news of Jesus, God will pour joy upon you, pour his presence upon you. There's joys that come from evangelism that we will only taste in evangelism. And that's one of the reasons this is such great news. It's Jesus' love that moves him to say, follow me and I will make you become a fisher of men. Think of the joy you are going to have It's his love that says that to us Follow me I will make you become fishers of men So there's three implications We've seen from Mark chapter 1 verse 17 Every follower of Jesus Will become a fisher of men No follower of Jesus is naturally a fisher of men Jesus promises he will make Every one of his followers a fisher of men What an amazing savior See, I, just thought, I thought about this this morning. This is how Jesus and what he taught is different from every other religion. Because every other religion says, you change yourself and then you can follow whoever it might be. Jesus says, you follow me, I'll change you. Massive difference. You, as you are, start following Jesus. Help me. He says, I'll help you. Follow Jesus. And then he changes. What a Savior. We simply follow, and he will change. I mean, imagine, think about a year from now, if you could look back and see that God has opened this door and this door and given you the opportunity to share the gospel with this person and this person and this person. Wouldn't that just fill you with joy? Let's do that. He promises he will do that. Now, we have a part in this, so let me share with you four Four ways we can have a part. We don't make this happen. We can't make ourselves become fishers of men. But there are four steps we can take. One, pray. Ask Jesus to do this. Give me your love for people who don't yet know you. Change my heart. Free me from fear. Give me the words. Give me the opportunities. So pray. I promise you, every, every one of those prayers, he will answer yes, 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 and yes. So pray. Second, get equipped through a home group. Remember we said that evangelists equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that's evangelism because it's what evangelists do. So the way we structure that is in our home groups, we do equipping. We will help you learn how to share your testimony briefly, powerfully focused on Jesus. We'll help you to do that. We will help you grow in sharing the gospel. We, we work on that together in our home groups. We'll pray for each other so for God to open up opportunities. In each home group will do various social events that we do where we can invite our friends who don't yet know Jesus to come and to see believers loving each other and have, experience gospel conversations. So be equipped through a home group. Join a home group. Third, ask Jesus, who do you want me to reach out to? What steps do you want me to take? And he will put a neighbor on your heart or a work associate on your heart, somebody that you can love, you can serve, you can care for, you can reach out to. He will do that. Ask Jesus who you can reach out to. I mean, one couple in our church invited a taxi driver over to their home for dinner. Beautiful. And and they had a wonderful time together. Another... A couple in our church had some of the security guards from their their apartment building come over for dinner. God will give you ideas. He'll stir your heart, just like he did with that barbecue with us. And then fourth, obey as he opens doors. He will lead you. He will direct you. And as he does, obey. Invite your neighbors over for coffee or for dinner. Suggest to your work associate, let's go have lunch together. He will lead you, he will direct you. Maybe have some neighbors over for a game night or to watch a football game or whatever it might be, but obey as he opens doors. Now let me close by sharing with you how Hudson Taylor experienced God making him into a fisher of men. Hudson Taylor was one of the first missionaries to inland China in the 1800s and ended up seeing thousands of men and women in China coming to faith in Christ. Amazing ministry. But he didn't start off as a fisher of men. And he later says that one of the pivotal events that moved him, where Jesus was making him into a fisher of men, happened when he was still back in England, when he was a medical assistant, because he had been given a patient who had terrible gangrene in his foot. And Hudson Taylor was to change his bandages every day, but this person with the terrible gangrene was also a passionate atheist with a temper. And he would spit at doctors. He would yell and scream. Maybe that's why they gave him to Hudson Taylor. I don't know. But anyway, so Hudson Taylor's job was every day to change his bandages. And every day while he was changing the bandages, he was praying for this man. Jesus, save this man. Bring this man to faith in Christ. Kept praying and changing his bandages. And one day as he was praying and changing the bandages, God just stirred his heart to, when he finished the bandage, He knelt down next to him and he said, I'm concerned for your soul. I'm concerned for the fact that you, just like me, we've all sinned against God. And you face God's judgment. But Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin. And if you'll put your trust in Jesus, all your sins will be forgiven. You'll be changed. His love will fill your heart. You'll be satisfied in knowing him. You'll know the living God through Jesus. So Hudson Taylor shared the good news of the gospel. God gave him the words to say, And the man just turned around and and put his back to him didn't want to hear a word of it so hudson taylor gathered up his equipment and left the room next day he came back changed his bandage knelt down again pled with him again let me pray for you jesus loves you he will forgive you man just turned around not interested day after day hudson taylor just kept sharing 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 At one point, though, he started to think, I wonder if I'm causing more harm than good. And so he says, I think I'm just going to stop sharing the gospel. And so the next day he went, he changed the man's bandage, but instead of kneeling down and pleading with him to trust Christ, he just put his equipment together and started heading out for the door. But before he he went out the door, he stopped and just looked back one more time at the man, and as he looked back, God broke Hudson Taylor's heart. He started to weep. And he went up to the man and he knelt down and he said, I'm sorry. (laughs) Listen, Jesus loves you. He will pay for your sins on the cross if you'll just trust him. He's made provision for you to be completely forgiven for all your sins. Do you reconcile to God? Can I pray for you? And And this time the man said, with tears in his eyes, you can pray for me. Didn't turn his back to him. So Hudson Taylor prayed for him. He didn't come to faith that day or the next, but Hudson Taylor kept sharing, kept praying. Four or five days later, the man prayed to put his trust in Christ. And years later, Hudson Taylor wrote in his journal, that event moved me into being a fisher of men. God was used that whole scenario to teach me about persistence, teach me about love, teach me about prayer. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. All of us will become fishers of men. You will become a fisher of men. You know why I can say that so confidently? Because Jesus promised. He promised, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Let's stand together. God, I pray for your power be poured out upon us through this passage of Scripture right now, and that you would destroy any lies that have been in our hearts that have kept us from praying about these things, from pursuing these things, from being bold in these things. We praise you, Jesus, that you promise that if we will just follow you, you will make us become fishers of men. You'll do what we can't do. You'll transform us into something that we aren't naturally, but that we can become supernaturally by your power. So, Lord Jesus, we say you are worth it all. You are better than anything. You're worth rejection. You're worth any kind of persecution that may come. Help us to feel the weight that there's people around us who are facing eternal punishment in hell, just just like we were. Break our hearts with that. Overcome our fears with that. Open up opportunities. Give us words. Do what you've promised. Make us into fishers of men. Jesus, you are better than everything. Work in our hearts, we pray.